everyone, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Welcome back to the studio. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, this is a much different feeling than our live show last week. Yeah. But uh, thank you all for coming out. We had a great time, and we hope you enjoyed the recorded episode if you didn't get a chance to make it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to get to meet new people, and it was a blast. Last week, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the challenger that appeared is called Street Fighter II, the animated series. This is our first non-anime. Yeah, it actually was kind of a surprise. Yeah, uh, Crunchyroll has a few other things on it that are somewhat related to anime, and in case you're wondering, well, what is anime? Uh... There's a lot we could get into with that, and there's a lot of opinions about it. I think we kind of use the really generic definition, which is an animation that is produced in Japan, Mm -hmm. or at least made by like a Japanese creator. Mm -hmm. So this is, although Street Fighter itself is a Japanese video game, this is very much an American show. Oh, yeah. Uh, So there were two seasons, which aired from 1995 to 1997, and the official title of this series is simply Street Fighter, but because it's largely based on the characters and the events of Street Fighter II, the video game, that's why it's kind of named what it is on Crunchyroll to differentiate it from all the other Street Fighter stuff there is. Uh, This is not the same series as Street Fighter IIV, which is an actual anime series produced by Group TAC, and it uh, obviously focuses on the same characters and is adapted from the same game. This also borrows plot elements from the 1994 Japanese-American Street Fighter film starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mm -hmm. which was a very bad movie. (laughs) Uh, And it goes without saying, I guess, that Street Fighter itself has a wide variety of properties, but it started with the original video game in 1987, which was a very bad video game. And then they released Street Fighter 2 in 1991, which is pretty much one of the most formative video games of all time, and in particular for fighting games. And there were many other video games, movies, TV shows, all of that kind of stuff. We watched the first four episodes of this particular animated series, and uh, I don't think there's any spoilers that we have to worry about, especially, but Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis of what we saw? Sure. William Guile, once a prominent colonel in the Air Force, now works covertly in the underground fighting scene. His true mission is to lead the street fighters on secret missions to preserve peace throughout the world. However, evil takes the form of M. Bison, and he is on a path of world destruction. Will the Street Fighters be able to thwart his plans? Right off the bat with that synopsis, uh, what is this whole thing with calling themselves the Street Fighters? I have no idea. It's weird because they do take the fighting part, sort of, from the game, but they decided that They're going to name their government-operated team Street Fighters? Yeah. I mean, personally, I've I've played a lot of Street Fighter. I was competitive at it for a couple years. And 
I don't pretend to understand even slightly like what is going on in those games. Mm-hmm. It's a very convoluted plot, and all of the stories are kind of ridiculous. But not once in any of those properties have I seen this like covert organization called Street Fighter. As far as I know, that's always been like the name of the tournaments that they attend. Right. And maybe that comes from the Van Damme movie. I haven't actually seen that before. I just hear it's terrible. (laughs) Yeah, so this show ends up falling into a pretty common trope that we see in a lot of American shows around this time, which is kind of like Monster of the Week. I actually called this like crisis of the week because the villain is the same throughout somehow some way it always relates back to bison but week to week there's no continuing arc going on it's there's some sort of problem that bison has probably caused and the street fighters go and try to resolve it and then next week it's something different yeah everything from like bison created a virus that'll kill everyone Or he's attacking the American embassy, whatever it happens to be. He's into some new trouble, and he and his goons are running around causing mayhem. And each week, while his plan is probably thwarted, Bison somehow gets away every single time. I don't think we've actually had a full-out fight with him. Something inevitably happens where he slips away and... No real damage is caused to him. Yeah, so Bison being kind of the main bad guy is pretty on par with the actual Street Fighter lore that I am aware of. And he runs the criminal organization Shadaloo. In this show, it's like its own country. It's unclear. It's really confusing because they refer to this place that they are in as Shadaloo. And there's an American embassy in Shadaloo. Mm-hmm. It's treated like a country. Yeah. I don't know if that's like the rest of the series, but I've never, again, never heard of it used that way. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that you had kind of mentioned before about not really being able to spoil anything is because each of these episodes are standalone. You, with maybe the exception of the first episode, because we get introduced to a character You could watch any of these episodes in any order, and it does not seem to make any difference whatsoever. Yep, which is probably pretty typical for a show like this. Yeah, definitely. Well, because the actual plot for this show, at least what we've seen so far, is fairly thin, uh, a lot of it is spent on spending time with these characters and developing them. And um, the first thing you'll note is that Guile, like you said, is pretty much the protagonist of this series. Which is different than in the games. Yeah. Because in the games, it's Ryu. Right. So, in this series, we're... Ryu. Is it Ryu? Hotly contested. Uh, Officially Ryu. But people people who grew up with this series know him as Ryu. Nah, I'm sticking with Ryu. (laughs) Ryu just makes me think of Ryu, so. <laughs> um, I think that they wanted to have Guile in the front so that this could be centered in America 
or at least have an American as the protagonist. And William Guile fits that bill. Right. In part because I think they're trying to relive some G.I. Joe vibes. Yeah, for sure. This has a very similar animation style to G.I. Joe, the series. And it has a lot of the same sort of play-by-plays. Like, the way that each episode is structured and sort of the dynamic between the Joes. Yes, they are called the Joes. The Joes and the villains. It's it's set up in this same manner. And it feels like they're trying to relive the hype of G.I. Joe through this show. Yeah, in fact, I think at one point, Hasbro like had a license for the Street Fighter characters and somehow incorporated them in the G.I. Joe universe, which <laughs> is bizarre. But there there is definitely some intentional kind of overlap between these two things. Yeah, and it did not work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Guile as a character in this show is fairly similar to his game appearance in terms of the way he looks and his backstory and some of that. But they did change a few things, and we'll see this with a lot of characters in the show, is that they kind of just made arbitrary decisions about the character developments that are not in line with the games and the quote-unquote canon. So, for instance, Guile's wife and daughter are not in this show. Instead, he has like this estranged love interest who keeps showing up. And he is, for some reason, like a disgraced colonel. Uh, I don't know if that was in the games either, but for some reason, people think he defected. And so he's kind of hated among all of these Street Fighter scenes. I definitely find that he's a lot more mopey than I thought he would be. Yeah. Somehow in every episode, he finds something to... Not just, like, complain about, but actually get, like, depressed about, which feels strange for not only a main character, but, like, a a, a Street Fighter one. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that as well. Only other thing I would say about the character specifically is that Guile made it very clear that the people who were working on this show had only, like, a surface-level understanding of the games. Mm -hmm. Because Guile pretty much has two major moves in the game. That's his sonic boom and his flash kick. And one of them is, like, a fireball that he shoots across the screen, and one is this vertical kick that he does. And you would very often in the game see the flash kick used on people who are jumping in towards you as like a an anti-aerial kind of move. And the first time you see a sonic boom in the game is with a guy jumping in at him and he like aims his sonic boom up, <laughs> which is not how that character works. <laughs> Perfect opportunity for flash kick, totally thrown away. Yeah, that's exactly what you said when we were watching it. <laughs> This is going to be a common theme you'll find out throughout this series is that they'll change the name of certain moves or they'll just change what the move is or when it's used and Colin will get upset every single time. 
Speaking of, would you like <laughs> to talk about Chun-Li? Oh, would I? This character is very different from her video game counterpart. For some reasons, I don't fully understand, and for some that I do. So um, I'll kind of touch on those. One thing that is similar to her character in the game is that in the game and in the series, her father is killed by Bison. And so it's like part of her goal is to take out Bison to avenge her father. But in the series, it's pretty random when she decides that she's going to play into that backstory. When it's convenient for the plot, she will go out of her way and cause harm to other people that are on her team in order to try to take out Bison. And then if somebody else tries to do the same thing, like Guile or somebody, then she'll be the voice of reason and be like, no, we can't do that. We have to save all these people. It's like you just an episode ago was doing the exact same thing. What are you talking about? There's not really a whole lot of consistency with her character. Also, for some reason, she has a crush on Guile. Uh, so that hasn't played out a whole lot, but it's weird. Yeah, if you know anything about the history of female characters in video games, it's not a good history. <laughs> and Chun-Li is kind of touted as being the turning point for that, of there finally being a female character that was represented well and kicked butt a whole bunch. Yeah. and didn't fall into the like damsel in distress kind of role. Mm -hmm. And she does that in the show. Uh, there's a whole episode devoted to her like taking down part of this organization herself. And, but it actually just turns out to be like a really reckless move that she's making. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, turning her relationship with Guile into a romantic interest kind of defeats all of that too. Yep. So taking this incredibly important female character and kind of going that direction, very American-like, you know, Saturday morning cartoon kind of style. Yes. They also do some weird things with her special moves. They do. Uh, so she has the spinning bird kick, which is a real move in the game. And it looks super weird in the show, <laughs> just like it does in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's good. But... She also has a fireball that she can use. And in this show, when she uses it, she just shouts, fireball. <laughs> and it is definitely called a Kikoken, yep. which is what she says in the game. Yep. Um, and you'll see that kind of, like you said, arbitrarily, they'll just rename moves because other characters will say the real name of their move, mm -hmm. but she doesn't for some reason. Nope. So... Another one of the Street Fighters, probably among the, the top three, uh, next to Guile and Chun-Li, is Blanca. And this one is the most confusing and probably the one of the furthest removed from its original source. And when you first look at him, you think he's probably going to be like a villain. He's kind of monstrous looking, um, which is part of his backstory. But they merged his character with another character from the video game. Do you want to talk about that? Okay. Uh, Guile has a friend who he was war buddies with, and his name is Charlie Nash. And 
uh, Nash was a playable character in a few of the games. And his kind of story is that they were war buddies and they kind of share similar like movesets in the game. And eventually he's presumed to be dead. And then he's brought back to life as kind of a zombie Nash. And what they've decided to do in this show is kind of just wipe out any history of actual Charlie Nash. And now Charlie and Blanca are the same character. Uh, Blanca is just like the monstrous form of former war partner Charlie. Yep. And that I don't I don't understand it. I don't know why they did it, because at least up till now, we haven't seen the original, like, human form of Blanca. We've just seen the green monster person. Mm -hmm. I think this was particularly upsetting for Colin because Nash was his main when you were fighting competitively. Yeah, at least when he was still good, but... (laughs) Sure. Uh, Otherwise, this character is kind of used as a um, ex machina. He just shows up whenever is convenient. He's not really around. In fact, when we first meet him in the first episode, he's they thought he was dead, but he's been hanging out with some indigenous people in the jungle. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. And and he just randomly shows up in different countries when when they need someone to show up at the last minute and fight. Though I don't think we've seen very many of his special moves. Now nah, he's got electric powers. That's about all we've seen. Yeah. Uh, I am very excited to talk about mainstays of the Street Fighter series, our friends Ryu and Ken. Yes. So if you had never seen any other Street Fighter property... What would you think of these characters? Frat boys. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting like a main character kind of vibe? Oh, no. Anything like that? I I imagine it's almost like one of those, you know, like silly unlockable characters that, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like a joke. The joke character. These are Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking of that. I was like, oh, it's like Dan. Yeah. Who is exactly who they are in the show. Yeah, they're they're total doofuses. Mm-hmm. They're just always like off mission, doing their own thing. And for some reason, they like are, are tomb raiders, I guess. Their hobby is like going into old abandoned palaces and, and things. For treasure. To get treasure. To get ladies. And they're like womanizing dude bros. Yep. Which is cool. Yep. Uh, not at all what these characters have been portrayed as in other media. No. No, and and Ryu is the main character of the video games, and he's pretty serious, and he's hardworking, and he's dedicated, and he's a good fighter, and we kind of get a little bit of that, only by contrast to Ken, who has been totally nerfed. He is... Like, they get rid of his long-standing girlfriend that he has in the series, and he's just kind of dumb and only cares about money and women. Yeah. And they kind of fight sometimes. 
Yeah, so these are other characters who have special moves in the game that are well known. They have Hadokens, they have Tatsus, and they have Shoryukens. And the Hadoken and the Tatsus are both used in the show with their full Japanese names, <laughs> which uh, the full full name of the Tatsu, like I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it's it's a complex word, and they say them, but Chun-Li gets fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Also, they're American too. Yeah. Uh, so Ken is American in right. the game, right? But Ryu, for all intents and purposes, seems to be American in this show. Yeah, which he's Japanese in the game. Yeah, at least they haven't explicitly said, but that's how he acts. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So there's a there's a few additional characters that we get just glimpses of, like Cami and Sagat and Vega and Zangief. But uh, what do you think of our antagonist for the series, M. Bison. He's actually probably the most true-to-form character of this entire show. He looks a lot like his character. He acts like his character. He has the same moves as his character and actually, like, follows through with them. They had actually just took a really good villain and kept him a really good villain with some cheese. Yeah. That can't be helped in this kind of show. I think we could even probably, from the little bit we've seen, say the same about his goons. Uh, I mentioned Zangief and Vega and Sagat, all pretty true to their original characters so far. Yeah, they just did weird things with the the quote-unquote good guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to talk about the production. Welcome back. So, Colin, do you want to start off our conversation about some of the production and the animation and all of that? Sure thing. And I might kind of toss it right back to you with a (laughs) question about a particular character that we've talked a little bit about. And as we talk specifically about the production elements and character designs included... What are your thoughts about their portrayal of the character Chun-Li? It's very upsetting. (laughs) I was immediately pretty offended at the design choices that they made for Chun-Li. Something that we've talked about is they really went to great lengths to Americanize all of these characters. And Chun-Li's probably the most egregious out of all of them. I on multiple occasions, was trying to find different rationales for why they changed her ethnicity because Chun-Li is Chinese. Um, You can tell a lot by her attire, the way that she's dressed. It's in a, you know, kind of traditional garb. Um, They keep all of that, but they change her skin color and her face, um, as well as taking away 
some of her like phrases that would indicate that she's not American. They make her sort of racially ambiguous at best. It's upsetting. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to pin down exactly what they were doing. And of course, like every voice actor for this show is a white American person, which sure. But they did make choices about her skin color and her phrases and stuff that seem weird. And we already talked about like how Ryu seems so much more American and Chun-Li being just such a focus of this particular series, uh, it, it comes out, it becomes more apparent. Yeah, and something that we haven't really talked about is how you were saying some of Bison's goons are more true to form, and they're the same way with their accents. They all keep whatever ethnicity or nationality that they had in order to really show this sort of America-centric, America's the best sort of mentality. Right. Uh, the whole bad guy team is like Zangief is Russian, uh, Vega is Spanish, uh, and DJ is Jamaican. Mm-hmm. And they, they do all of those like, you know, the way you would expect those characters to be. Yes. And it's interesting because when... We learn about Chun-Li's father. We still talk about it being in a Chinese village. Right. And her father looks Chinese, but she does not. Yeah. In fact, the episode that's kind of centered around her is when they go to China to infiltrate a Shadowloo base there. And uh, the the like recruiter person is talking to Guile and is like, well, you want to take Chun-Li because of where you're going, right? And kind of looks at him like, and he's like, of course. Um, and then once they get there, she knows like everything about exactly where they are. As if, you know, China isn't huge or something. Mm-hmm. One particularly weird example of this is that if you have played the games in the original Japanese, you will know that Every character speaks Japanese uh, just because that's who the game was made for, uh, with the exception of occasional English phrases. And when Chun-Li wins a round, she like leaps up and down and goes, Yata, which is like, I did it in mm-hmm. Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that in the show just out of nowhere. Which is so bizarre because... She's portrayed as an American. She's actually Chinese. And that's a Japanese phrase. Right. (laughs) That just tells you everything you need to know about what they did to her. That's not even including everyone else. So one thing I was going to say about overall the character designs is that they did try to keep some of the same exaggerated body shapes that a lot of the fighters have. If you ever look at a Street Fighter game, these people are like really ripped because they're not only like powerful fighters, like they also have supernatural abilities. And it, it's kind of ridiculous how muscular and, you know, they all are. Um, and they did tone that down a little bit for the show, but they are still like crazy muscular human beings in some senses their proportions are that way because it's kind of a practical thing for the games 
because you want your characters to have really visible hitboxes so that when, you know, uh, somebody is kicking an opponent, yeah, their legs are huge because you want it to be really visually obvious what's hitting and where the moves are making contact. Um, generally, I thought they did a fairly decent job of uh, making those like a little bit more palatable mm-hmm. as a as an animated character. Yeah. Without taking away all of the like aesthetic that you know for those characters. Yeah, if they had taken away like Chun Li's muscular legs, she, it, she, you would not have been able to tell it was Chun Li, other than the like little buns that she has on her head or the spike bracelets yes the spike bracelets um in terms of the animation itself uh the animation style is very reminiscent of uh shows that you would see in america cartoons around actually like the mid 80s to like early 90s so the show is kind of on the tail end of a style that was going out of fashion at that time, but it's trying to get back that same sort of feel that G.I. Joe, He-Man, Transformers, all of those shows had. Yeah, it's it's weird when you think about it in context of the time period because it so obviously looks and feels like that mid to late 80s show, but you know that Street Fighter 2 didn't even come out until 91, and so this has to be later. Right. And especially if you look at all the other shows that were playing in the block of cartoons that were on that network at the time, uh, they all seem very different than this show. Yeah, when we were looking up what kind of shows were happening around the same time, it's kind of crazy how different this show would have felt compared to everything else. This... uh this Street Fighter series aired in the Action Extreme Team lineup, <laughs> which also included Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Gargoyles, Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, Ooh. Sailor Moon, Super Mario, and Street Sharks. Oh, man. <laughs> what a variety. Yeah. Something I would say about all of those other shows is something that we see a lot in the 90s is um, going to really big, bold primary colors as the palettes. Um, and something this show has is a, a lot more of those kind of um, softer tones. They don't have like the big, bright, bold colors that you see um, kind of stylistically towards the, the mid to late 90s. And I think that's part of why it feels so different. One thing I want to mention about the music for the show is that it is markedly bad. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the kind of show that you would think of like really famous themes for characters and uh, music that would play on the different stages. And that's all really iconic music. And they basically didn't use it, as far as I could tell. Which is strange. Maybe a licensing thing. Maybe, I don't, who knows. But instead, they kind of went with the, uh, like, heavy rock sort of G.I. Joe kind of thing. Which basically came down to just, like, squealy guitar solos constantly. Mm-hmm. With 
literally no other instrumentation. It would just be like a guitar going with barely any drums, often without any drums. But something I would say that's different is, like G.I. Joe, I can still remember the G.I. Joe theme song. Yeah. And same with other shows that this is trying to, you know, kind of get the tail end of, you know, like He-Man and Transformers. Like, you can remember those themes. This is nothing. Mostly because it's a narrator just talking and there's not any sort of, like, call to arms, like, action, like, this is the show. It's a narrator telling you, these are the street fighters. Yeah. And that's not memorable. No, in in an era between between the late 80s and into the 90s of DuckTales and Pokemon and all of these iconic theme songs, this one didn't try at all. No. Uh, something I did want to say about the narrator, he's predominantly present Definitely in the intro and outro, which I'll talk more about later, but um, he's kind of present in the show. And this is something that we see a lot in, you know, 80s and early 90s cartoons that we don't really have as much uh, in present media. It was just something I was thinking about is we don't really have this sort of male-dominating narrator that... Is kind of cluing you into some background stuff. And then, you know, next week on Street Fighters, uh, I don't really know if that's for better or worse. It's something that is very reminiscent of that time. And it's probably one of those things, like, if you look back with those sort of nostalgic glasses, is something that would be very poignant to that time. All right, Kayla, would you like to wrap us up with general thoughts and overall likes and dislikes? I would. I'm about to go right back into the intro and outro. (laughs) Mostly the intro um, animation. So I was seeing how there's this narrator that's kind of speaking over it with this forgettable music. Um, The intro is incredibly jarring. It doesn't have a very good flow to it, um, and that is most apparent by the fact that they do a character lineup, and it starts out with them talking about Guile, then they talk a little bit about Chun-Li, then they mention Blanca, and then they stop talking about the characters, which would be fine if they weren't continuing to show you the characters in a, in a lineup format. So... After they show you Blanca and introduce him, they they show Ken and Ryu, they show Cammy, and I think they show some other characters too, but they go by so fast that I can't remember who all it was. Including the bad guys. Yes. They also include Bison and um, Vega and all of them. But there's just like music playing during that time, and it's this very strange cutoff. Where it feels like these characters, I'm supposed to know who they are, but you're not telling me who they are, and there's just nothing going on. There's not even, like, names on the screen or anything. They're just there without any acknowledgement. Yeah, it's kind of funny, actually, because the narrator will be like, 
and Guile and Chun Li and Blanca and then Ken and Ryu immediately showing on screen. And you're like, oh yeah, Ken and Ryu, I know them. And then he goes, and some other guys as they're all like flashing by real fast. Yeah, I think he says like, and the rest of the Street Fighters. Right. <laughs> and you're like, hold on. These other people have names. <laughs> they're reoccurring characters. Like we've at least seen Cammy and at least two of the four episodes and Ken and Ryu also in at least two of the four episodes. So they're regular characters, but they don't get any acknowledgement. And it's the way that the narrator says it. He leads that sentence as though he was going to continue the, with the list, but it just cuts off. So it even grammatically doesn't sound right. Colonel William Guy. One of the greatest martial artists in the world travels the global tournament circuit, using it to conceal his top-secret mission as leader of an elite group of international crime fighters known only by their code name, Street Fighters. The heroic man-beast, Blanca, hard-kicking fighting machine, Chun-Li. team of the most amazing warriors ever seen have joined forces with Guile to combat the criminal empire of Shadaloo and its superhuman leader, Bison. They have their own code of honor, discipline, justice, commitment, and together they will triumph against the forces of evil. Street Fighter! Um, if there's kind of two general things that I would take away from this show, one of them would be kind of related to that. It's the changes to the characters that they kind of arbitrarily decide all the way from making Guile the protagonist instead of Ken and Ryu all the way to making Ken and Ryu instead like these dopey nobodies. Um, and then, of course, all the stuff we talked about with the vague nationalities of the characters and the weird choices with their move sets and things like that. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of explanation or argument for why they would make those changes. They just kind of seem like, well, this is what other shows are doing right now. And then the second thing that I would mention is that the story itself is pretty stupid. <laughs> Uh, like you said, each week is just a different mission they're undertaking, which usually involves Bison's doing something. We got to go fly over there and stop him. And you assemble whichever street fighters you need for this mission. And those missions are really strange. Uh, the first episode is that Bison, like, has this virus... Or there is a virus that will kill somebody in 24 hours. And Bison is like wanting to use people as experiments to make the virus better or to cure the virus. I don't I don't understand what his motivation is. The point is he's using indigenous people from this jungle as his test subjects for this virus thing. So we got to stop him. Uh, and none of it made any sense. Blanca was involved somehow. And like, 
Kyle's ex-girlfriend person was involved somehow. And there was no connection point between any of those. It just kind of... They just kind of like, blah, here's the characters we want for this episode. Come up with some weird random scenario for them to go do. And the one we mentioned earlier of the U.S. Embassy in Shadaloo has like this real annoying kid (laughs) who is the majority of the episode is like him and Guile running around this embassy trying to escape Bison and he's so obnoxious that you just want to punch the TV a little bit. (laughs) I think that episode was probably the most egregious in... There was almost no fighting in it, which for a show called Street Fighter, there is very little actual fighting. And basically zero street fighting. Yeah. the Their undercover part uh, that we have not actually talked about, um, apparently to hide the fact that they're in this government-operated group called Street Fighters, they participate in underground tournaments. But that's usually the first maybe 30 seconds of the episode. And then nothing is said about it ever again. And that's it. Yeah. And and so there'll be like some fighting in, in an episode, but it's usually the Street Fighters using their special move to like keep people at bay. And there's no actual combat which is the whole point of the game. So it feels very far removed in that regard. So based on what we've talked about and what you have seen of this show so far, would you watch more of it? No. (laughs) Uh, The show isn't really that good. Um, The only reason why I could ever see myself watching this is if I was really into Street Fighter and I wanted something to, like, make fun of, or if there was some part of this that was very nostalgic for me, but it's neither of those things. I actually never did fighting games like Colin did. Um, I, I'm just not good at, at fighting games. Um, and this isn't a show that I watch. So while it has elements of shows that I did, like Transformers and G.I. Joe and and those sort of shows, it's not that. So it has a worse feel than something that would actually give me nostalgia. Um, The only enjoyable part about watching this show was watching how much you did not like it. Um, It was hilarious to see how deeply offended Colin got because... You're really into Street Fighter. Like, this is something that was a big part of your life for a long time. And I remember you going to competitions to to be in tournaments for Street Fighter. So it was very funny to watch how upset you would get about certain things. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a latecomer to fighting games. Um, it was like college to post-college that I really started playing. Um, So I didn't grow up in arcades, like, playing Street Fighter 2 against people, um, just, you know, putting quarters into a machine. (laughs) It was was more, once more of the modern consoles were out 
and people were really getting into Street Fighter and things like Evo and Combo Breaker were getting huge. Um, just even a few years ago was when I was playing the most. So, like you said, I, I also have no nostalgia for this show um, or really even for the franchise. Um, it's kind of a new interest for me. And even that said, like, Capcom's not doing a great job with Street <laughs> Fighter V. Uh, so I prefer a bunch of other games to yeah. Street Fighter. Uh, that said, what I'm going to say in response to would I watch more is maybe for one particular reason, which is what you probably would refer to as the so bad it's good effect. Yes. Uh, this show is has has a very memeable quality, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like pre-internet humor, so it doesn't have all of that garbage in it. Mm -hmm. But people have kind of taken their nostalgia and fascination with this weird bad show and turned it into this internet thing now. And there were so many parts that I was like, oh man, I'd love a gif of that right there. <laughs> uh, that I just feel like, I could watch a few more episodes of this and get some sort of weird, um, get some sort of weird enjoyment out of it, and then move on and never think about it again. And then, you know, five years from now, I'll come across that GIF on my computer, and it'll make me laugh for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'll only watch it to watch you get upset. Yeah, but I'm still sticking with no. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this kind of departure from our normal random selection. Uh, if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our username is anamondaycast, and you can find links for that on our website. One more plug for the Anamonday merch store, which is live now. Woo! Uh, a few people have gotten their hands on mugs now and uh, are quite enjoying them. <laughs> and uh, we've got sticker packs and notebooks, and we're working on T-shirts right now, so yeah. those should be available soon. Uh, and then if you know us in person, come get a stack of business cards, because yeah. otherwise I'll never get rid of them all. <laughs> Thank you so much to Crunchyroll for all of the anime that you provide and for the random button, which produces these wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. If you want to follow along with us each week, we'll have a link to the current title on our website and social media, and you can watch what we're watching. Uh, finally, thanks to C2A for the intro and outro music for our show which come from the Senpai EPs, which are available on his Bandcamp and other streaming services. Is it time to roll? I believe it is that time. Let's do this. All right, random button in three, two, one. Interesting. Oh, no. I never like it when you say that. No, this is a good one. Hmm. Our roll for the week is Fate Stay Night. Oh! Oh, I actually know what that is. <laughs> uh, episode one is called Winter Days, A Fateful Night. Hey, I actually know what this yeah. is. I've not seen it, but I know what it is. I don't think this is unlimited budget works, but maybe it is. Mm. Either way, it's part of that whole thing. Yeah. Man, what interesting roles we've been getting. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I'll have to double check on this one because I remember that the first episode for this show is an hour long. Whew. So we may just be watching like one or two. Okay. Uh, we'll double check that and I'll let you know. Cool. Awesome. Uh, thanks again for joining us and we hope you've had a good time. Yeah. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Guess you won't be needing those tapes I made for you. You want me to get rid of them? Don't be hasty. Not until I see those street fighters pummeled to dust, which should be any moment now.